Hey there, this is Gregory Williams, and I'm the senior pastor of Transform Church. Welcome to our podcast. I hope the following presentation really inspires you to deepen your faith walk and encourages you along your journey. Enjoy the message. Hey, Transformers, welcome. I'm so glad that you're joining us for our amazing new series that we're launching this week called Great Reward. Now, before anything, take a moment and share this video, tag someone, invite a family member or a friend along. You never know who's going to be encouraged by watching this video, even if it's going to be across the world. So take an opportunity right now and share it. All right, thank you. Now, we're starting a brand new series this week called Great Reward, and I'm sure you're going to be encouraged through this series, so don't miss out on every episode of this brand new series. What is this series all about, you might be asking? Well, the path to public success is always paved with private disciplines. Any great athlete that has achieved anything on any major scale knows that it's the work that they put in before they get to the public performance. It's the training that happens on a daily basis when no one is watching that enables them to have success. And such is true with our private discipline when it comes to our spiritual life. We need to be able to equip ourselves with great disciplines that will equip us to have truly a life of success that will bring us a fullness of joy, a fullness of a life with Jesus. No one stops sinning by accident, you know. It has to be done intentionally. And if we take each step one by one towards that success, we have to pave the way with that private discipline that has to be enacted in our life. We must choose to do the things that lead us to our successes intentionally and consistently. And that's not always easy, but it's always worth it. So are you ready? Let's just get into our first episode entitled, What Are You Feeding? Let's get started. How many of us are tired of the same scenery, the same walls of the same house, you know, the same things in front of us, sometimes even the same food? It seems like this lockdown has been going on forever. And it's true, especially in Melbourne. We went from the most livable city in the world to the most lockdown city in the world. We haven't seen friends and family members for a really long time and we haven't even been able to gather in church as we want to or should. So here's what I know about you. You want something different, something better, right? And even if it's just to get out of a lockdown environment, out of your house, that's something different. What are you most looking forward to after lockdown? going to the beach, hanging out with some friends, visiting parents, visiting loved ones, or just chilling and not having to bother about what you put on your face and where you go and what to do. 
You know, the important thing is that this virus and this situation will come to an end. But I know you want something different, not just for the world, but something for your very own life. Maybe it's to lose weight. And, you know, over this lockdown, you maybe you've eaten things and not got as fit as you should have and, you know, gained a little weight here and there. I know I certainly have. Maybe it's to pay off some debts because you've accumulated things that over, you know, some buying sprees on the internet and you need to pay off those credit cards. Maybe that's what you want for your life. Maybe, hey, it's a better marriage. Who doesn't want that? To get along better with our spouses. That's amazing. And maybe even it's getting closer to God. I know that's certainly true in my life. My constant desire, and I'm sure it's the same with you, is that we get into a better, lasting, and enjoyable, closer relationship with Jesus. And that's my desire for you and for me as well. I know you want a whole lot of those things and more. And if you're like me, it's not that we don't want those things. It's just like the lack of motivation at right now in this season in this time because you know you you question yourself like you feel like there's no point to doing anything right it's always easier to just sit on the couch in your underwear watching tv and not worrying about anything not doing any physical activity it's easier to enjoy some comfort food rather than to have some exercise routine right it's easier to watch tv than to call someone and have a long chat that you might not be interested right now I know that feeling because I struggle with the same thoughts that you do. Like, what's the point, right? I don't even know when I'm getting out of lockdown, so what's the point? And when I get out of lockdown, maybe then I'll worry about those things. But right now, I'm just going to sit here and not worry about a thing. And it's that thought, it's that spiraling thought that leads us deeper and deeper into the situations that we do not want to be in, but we find ourselves in. And so here's the thing. We know what we should do and we know what we ought to do to get better, but the drive to do it is just not there right now. I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you today to lean into something I'm going to share with you because I know the important principle of how to build a great successful life. And I want to share that with you. And I'm sure you want to hear that, you know, to build your life, to build your marriage, to build your future, to build your relationships with people, and more importantly, to build your relationship with God. So I want to give you some important principles that will give you the results that you are looking for. And to do that, I want to introduce you today to the letter writer who is going to really encourage us and encourage you and your family to get in that right perspective, right? His name is Paul. He's the great apostle Paul. And this guy is a champion of motivation. And the reason he's a champion of motivation is because he's had similar experiences that we've had and he's come through. Well, you might ask, well, was he in lockdown? And the answer is yes, he actually was in lockdown. He was locked down in his house for many years, confined in his own house. You know, he was also locked in prison. He was rejected by people. He went without food. He went without, you know, clothing sometimes in cold environments. He was uninvited from friends' houses and he went through the gamut of human emotion. And so therefore he can give us some real 
insight into our current situation and the state that we find ourselves in. But here's the thing I know about Paul. Not only did he go through all those experiences, but he also had seen the risen Christ. He had a genuine, ongoing, amazing relationship with Jesus. And he wrote most of the New Testament. In fact, one-third of the New Testament have been written by this amazing writer named Paul. And so he understands the struggle of motivation and desire. He knows that because he struggled with it himself. I told you he was in lockdown as well. And so this is what he writes in his letter to the Romans. It says this in Romans 7. I don't really understand myself, for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. We can empathize with that. Instead, I do what I hate. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? What is Paul talking about? Well, he's expressing his frustrations about his ineptitude to do something that he knows he should be doing. We've all felt the feeling of frustration when we know what we should do and we don't do it. If you're like me, you know, I eat some food that's delicious and and great and heartwarming, but it's just not healthy for my body. And so I tell myself, you know, I console myself with this knowledge. Well, tomorrow I'm going to get up and go for a quick run because that food wasn't great, so I need to exercise. Well, I get up in the morning and, you know, well, you know, let me just get some breakfast in and then I'll be energized to go for this run. And and then I just kind of rest, you know, and then it's lunchtime. Well, we got to have lunch. So we have lunch and then, well, maybe I just watch this little TV program and, and then just get motivated to go for my run and then sooner or later you know it's dinner time and after dinner I'm frustrated with myself why didn't you do something you said you were going to do you know and then you just give up and you feel very demotivated maybe it's to do with prayer you know you've said to yourself I'm going to devote some time to pray and then something distracts you and you're like I'll do it later I'm just going to take care of this I'm just going to you know vacuum I'm just going to clean the counter all great things but we keep postponing something that we know is going to benefit for us and then the day passes and we've not done it has that ever happened to you it has certainly happened to me and it certainly happened to Paul as well I'm sure we can understand the frustrations because we know what we ought to do, but we don't end up doing it. You see, you will never achieve anything when you postpone action for satisfaction. Let me repeat that because it's really important. You will never achieve anything when you postpone action for satisfaction. See, what Paul realized is that it's important to set some disciplines into our lives. Personal, spiritual disciplines introduce a sense of intimacy and accountability to our faith walks. Spiritual disciplines tune our hearts to the heart of God and help us build our lives into something productive and long-lasting. Isn't that what you want in your life? It's certainly what I want in my life. 
disciplines often get a bad rap because we think that, you know, oh, I'm committed to this, I'm obligated to this, I have to do this. But it's actually something that is really going to help us propel us forward, enthuse us, and continue to just give us the, the strength and the longevity to live a life of success. And here's what is really important. Whatever you feed grows. Whatever you give your attention to, whatever you focus on, whatever you feed is going to grow. Whether it's good or bad, whether it's positive or negative, whatever you feed will grow. So if it's inactivity, well, you'll get the sense of lethargy in your life. You know, if it's exercise, you're going to be motivated. Whether it's reading your Bible or whether it's watching TV, whatever you begin to feed actually takes on a life of its own. Whether it's investing or spending, it all has its price and reward. See, what we often do is we postpone our betterment for momentary pleasure. We put away what we should be doing. We know it's going to bring us something good, but we postpone it because we want something momentarily that will satisfy our thirst, our our appetite, or just plain lethargy. See, what we have to do in those situations is we got to ask God to come in and help us institute good disciplines because it's the discipline of consistency that's going to actually empower us to be what we are supposed to do. And so here's a great definition of discipline. I want you to write it down if you can. Mark it in your notebooks. Write it on a note and put it up on the wall so it can remind you in every circumstance. Because sometimes we just need a little bit of nudging. We just need a little bit you know, of an enthusiastic push in a certain direction to get us motivated. So here's a great definition of discipline. Discipline is choosing what you want most over what you want now. Let me say that again. Discipline is choosing what you want most over what you want now with the help of God. See, the reality is that most human beings, most people in the world, we have similar goals, we have similar hopes, we have similar desires, we want to be good, we want to have a successful life, we want to have money in the bank, we want to have the house, the car, the food on the table, all of those things. We want to have good relationships with our spouse, we want to have great relationships with our kids, we want to have an enduring relationship with God. All of those things are common in most of us, but the reality is that we all have different results. You ever thought about why, if all of us have the same desire, there's often so many different results? You see, no one goes into a marriage saying, well, by the time I'm 40, I want to have four divorces. No, you want to go in and have a great marriage. No one says, hey, I want to have an unfit, unhealthy body. No, we have a great desire. We want to have a healthy body so we can be in shape and we're not taking deep breaths when we climb up a flight of stairs. You know, we want to have good eating habits so we can exercise and we can enjoy life, we can enjoy the company of others. We don't want to end up in the hospital. So we know that we should have healthy bodies, but oftentimes we don't make the right choices because we haven't put good discipline into eating healthy. You see, when we feel weak in our faith, 
The question is, well, have we been putting great discipline in our life? Have you been getting in a consistent relationship and conversation with God? Have you been reading your scriptures on a consistent basis? You want to have strong finances and a great paycheck? Well, are you going out and frivolously spending on things that you don't need? Because sometimes you see something with your eyes that you want, but you don't necessarily need. And you just whip out that card or you go online and you buy something you don't need, but you want momentarily. And later it's just put on a shelf or put on the end of a room or forgotten about in a room and you don't use it again. You know, a lot of times our garages are filled with stuff we haven't used in years. I've been trying to clean out my garage because of stuff that I have put in there, not pointing the blame at anyone. I've put stuff in there that I wanted, I thought I needed at that particular moment, but I haven't actually used in years. Here's what we know. There's a direct correlation between a person's private discipline and their success. Success does not just fall into our lap. It takes discipline. And discipline is the small things that we put in place on a consistent basis that will result in success. It's consistency over time that brings us the success that we desire. John Maxwell, great leadership coach, says this, I worked my whole life to become an overnight success. What is he saying? He's saying there's no such thing as overnight success. It takes great work and discipline to achieve great things. And our private disciplined devotion ties directly into our faith walk. Our private disciplined eating healthy lead directly to a fit body. Our private disciplined money management leads directly into our successful financial situation. It's so important that we institute with God's help great disciplines into our life. Because here's a key principle I want you to write down. Desire does not determine who you become. Disciplines determine who you become. Desires never determine your outcome, but it's the disciplines that we put into our life that will help you be what you want to be. See, hope will not bring you a better life. We all have the hope of better things and we want better things, but just because we hope for them is not going to make them materialize in our life. Habits that honor God will bring a better life. Habits and discipline that are put in obedience with what God desires for our life will bring us that success that we desire. The more disciplined we are, the better habits we institute, the better success we will enjoy. Why do we fail? Have you thought about that? Why do we fail when we know we want something or sometimes we even try to do something and we fail? Oftentimes people tell us or we've been taught and you know it's been instituted into us that when we have the correct willpower, things will get done. But the reality is that willpower doesn't work. And I'll tell you why. Because oftentimes willpower wanes the longer we look at something. 
Maybe someone at your workplace or your home brought in this lovely box of crispy cream donuts. You know, there's one opened up at Water Gardens and I walked by and looked at them. They were delicious looking. And maybe someone brought some in and you'd be like, you know, I don't need any more sugar in my life. I'm trying to get fit. And then you walk by those donuts and you're like, great, I'm walking by them. I'm not tempted at all. And then a little bit later, you're walking by and you walk a little bit closer and you're like, you just smell the delicious smell. And you're like, yeah, well, I'm just going to keep Third time, you're like, oh, maybe I'll just take it in my hand and just like sniff it, but I'm not going to eat it. And you walk by a fourth time and you're like, maybe if I just have half and not the whole thing, and then you put half in your mouth and you're like, mm, that was good. And you walk away and you're chewing yourself because you didn't eat the whole donut. That's great. But two hours later, you walk by and the half is still there and you finish it. And then you're celebrating. You're celebrating that you spread out, you know, your donut over a long time, but you actually ate it. And so oftentimes willpower wanes, you know, it wanes because we're tempted with something and our willpower just diminishes the more we look at it. And it's important that as Jesus followers, as Christ followers, we're we're supposed to do good. We're not supposed to be putting bad things into our body. We're supposed to have a healthy body to do what God calls us to do. Not bad stuff, but good stuff, right? We need to be doing the good things. Like we need to be praying and and we need to be reading our scriptures and we need to be nice to people around us and, and we need to serve one another. And we need to be generous with all those things and not be like, don't lie. We don't, have, we don't lie to people and, and we don't cheat and we don't steal and, and we don't yell and we don't behave like Karens. And we definitely don't eat a whole box of donuts because that is just unhealthy. Right? But try as we might, sometimes those, those bad desires, those sinful desires just overpower us, overpower our willpower, and we just give in. We just surrender. You know, uh, we took it and, and we smoked it and we touched it and we clicked on it and we consumed it and we bought it and we ate it when we shouldn't have. You see, we have a very real enemy that encourages us and works on our weak willpower. Because when you're actually struggling and with your willpower, he comes to you and he minimizes everything. He's like, oh, it's just a little piece of a donut. It's not going to do you any harm. Oh, it's just a little click. It's not going to do anything wrong. Oh, it's just a little lie. It's not going to harm anyone. You go ahead and do it. No one will know. No one will care about it. But as soon as you do it, as soon as you do that, he maximizes it. And he compromises your identity because he says, look what you did. Do you think God's going to love you? What a horrible person you are. You are just the worst person. You know, he tells you the bad consequences. After you fail, he tells you you're horrible. And he tries to diminish that identity that you have in God. He says, you don't love God. If you loved him, you wouldn't have done that. God doesn't love you because look how you failed him. You know, you are pathetic. You are horrible. You are good for nothing. He wants to destroy your identity. And as soon as you hear those words, that internal voice speaking to you, telling you that good for nothing, you feel guilty. You feel bad. And you see, as you begin to feed that guilt, it begins to grow. And that's what the enemy wants. He wants to take you further away from God. He wants to make you feel insignificant. He wants to make you feel like you're good for nothing. And as you continue to consume that guilt he's shoveling your way, it compromises who you are. Your identity in God is diminished. 
And so how do we counteract these things? Well, if we don't have a pattern of godly habits and great disciplines, we resort to momentary satisfaction to help us feel good. But those feeling good moments only last for a moment and then we spiral into this guilt and shame. And that's why Paul cried out. You know, he experienced this in Romans 7.24. He says, oh, what a miserable person I am. You know, in another version it says, oh, what a wretched man am I. He's talking about himself. He's self-loathing. He's hating what he's done. He's despising the choices that he's made. In momentary weaknesses, he's given into things that he knows he shouldn't have. And like you and me, we've done the same thing. We feel that frustration. We feel that angst. We feel that camaraderie with what Paul is saying here. He's saying, oh, what a miserable, what a wretched person I am. I fail, I fail, I fail. And this is what we call the cycle of shame, you know, where we tell ourselves, I'm bad, so I'm bad, so I'm going to try a little bit harder. Because I'm bad, I'm going to try harder, I'm going to put more willpower into it, I'm going to try better, and then eventually our willpower wanes and fades, and we fade away and we give in again to that inevitable failure. And as soon as that failure comes, well, guilt and shame comes heaping upon us. And then we think of ourselves, I'm a bad person, I'm bad. And that cycle continues and goes round and round and round. And we feel horrible about ourselves. And we say, something is not working. Something is wrong. Something is missing. I don't know what it is, but something is missing. Can I challenge you and say, it's not something that you're missing. It's someone that you're missing. And that someone is Jesus. We need to invite him in to break that cycle of guilt and shame. He can come in and help change the trajectory of our life. And that's why Paul understood when he says this, he presents himself, you know, as he's talking to himself, he realizes the solution. He realizes what the answer is. And this is what he says in verses 24 and 25. He says, who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death. And he says, thank God, the answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord. That's the answer. That's the solution. We need to invite God into every single moment of our life. How do we break the same cycle? We bring Jesus in. He is the answer. He is the key. And he helps us institute great disciplines. So we're not talking about behavior modification here, just trying to change our behavior. But what we're talking about is spiritual transformation. Because as Jesus comes into our life, into our daily activities, into the institution of discipling one another and discipling ourselves and disciplining ourselves and disciplining good habits, we begin to break that, that cycle of shame and guilt. That's what Paul's conclusion is. We can't do this on our own. Our willpower is just not sufficient. We need someone else to come in and help us get things done. God is there to help us develop great disciplines so that we can achieve great things that God has orchestrated or planned for us before the foundation of the world. And that's his solution. Thanks be to God, Paul says. He delivers me through Jesus Christ 
our Lord. You want to have success in your marriage, in your job, in your life, with people around you. Invite God in to help you develop great discipline. Feed into things that will help you succeed and stop feeding things that will help you drift towards complacency. See, God responds to our private disciplines. In fact, Jesus encourages us to put disciplines in place because he practiced this. Early in the morning, Jesus would get up and spend time with his father, communicating, you know, downloading from God whatever he needed for that day. He spent hours in prayer and a few seconds healing someone. While we often take the reverse, we spend hours trying to heal someone and two seconds in prayer. But Jesus got the pattern right. And this is what he says in Matthew 6, verse 6. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. There is a reward that comes from instituting disciplines into our life. When we consistently do what is right and what is good, we will get a reward. And the reward of discipline is a life of significance. A life seasoned with God will benefit not just you, but those around you. And let me give you a great illustration on what that is right now. So here we have two plants. One of them is real and one of them is fake. Now, if you're watching on YouTube or Facebook, you might not be able to tell which is the real one or which is the fake one. Well, if you have good discernment or you can tell if you're a good person that takes your plants, you'd probably be able to tell. Well, this is the real plant and this is the fake plant. So I borrowed this plant from my wife and she loves plants. She has them all over the house uh, and she speaks to her plants and she tells them what's happening. And so when I brought this plant here, I had to tell this plant where it was going and what it was going to do. So here it is sitting on this platform being part of this illustration. So we informed the plant. And the reason for that is that she doesn't speak to this plant, which is a fake plant. She speaks to one, this one, which is the real one. It's the live one, right? And so one of these plants, the real one, needs attention. She waters it. She waters it, whatever the frequency is, you know, once or twice a week, whatever it is for your plant. You feed it and you nurture it. And when you do those things, it begins to grow. It begins to mature. It begins to produce something. And what it produces is that it produces oxygen for you and your home. And so you benefit from nurturing and feeding something that's going to mature and grow. Well, this one, well, this one's the fake one. It's plastic. It's never going to change. It's never going to mature. It's never going to grow. It's not going to have anything change in it whatsoever. So the question then is, which one will actually mature and grow? Of course, it's the real one. We know that. We all know that about our life because we know whatever we feed begins to grow. And so... Oftentimes, 
people will have both kind of plants in their house. They have a, a real plant and they have a fake plant in certain areas of their house. And when you enter that house, you might not be able to tell which one is real and fake unless you walk up really close. And when you walk up close, you'll instantly know, well, this is a plastic one and this is the real one. And sometimes we or we have people in our lives that are like that. You know, from far, they might look real or appear real or appear genuine, but the closer you get to them, in their lives and in, into their situations, you'll be able to tell whether they're genuine or whether they're fake. It's because what they've put into their life. And so they might want to appear as something, but they don't have the roots to grow down and produce nourishment and begin to grow. While this one is real and this one is fake, might appear on the outside as both being the same, this one will actually mature and flourish and grow and produce oxygen while this one will always remain the same. So the real question is, which are you going to feed? Well, you spend time and attention on the real one because you understand that it's going to actually need that attention while this one, it doesn't have or need any attention at all. So what are you feeding in your life? What are you nurturing in your life? Because whatever you feed, is going to grow and so we can have good things and bad things and whatever we feed into them will begin to grow so what habits or good habits have you instituted in your life that are actually helping you grow maybe you can write a few comments down and, and help other people know what good things you put in your life that will encourage other people to also practice the same habits that bring you success and also pass on to them so they can have success as well So that's what private or personal disciplines do for our life. They help us grow. They help us mature. They help set us up for success. So what can you do today that will set you up for success tomorrow? What disciplines are you going to institute in your life? And it could be something small. You know, the greatest disciplines are not the big things in life. They are the small things that help catapult catapult us forward for success. Maybe it's spending a little bit more time in reading the scriptures, taking a few minutes out of your day to spend reading God's word and encouraging yourself. And as you do that on a consistent basis, it's going to help build up your faith and trust in who God is. Maybe you spend a little bit of time in prayer, praying for those around you, praying for your family members that might not know God, that God will move in their life and, and unveil himself to them in the same way he has done to you. Maybe you spend a little bit of time being generous with people, giving of your time and your resources into the church and into the world that you live in and the world that you inhabit. Whatever principle or discipline you put in your life today, it's going to have an enorm enormous outcome, an enormous reward that will benefit you and those around you. And then you can be like Paul as he comes to the realization and he says, thanks be to God who delivers us through Jesus Christ. You know, he's saying there is a reward and it comes into our life. And he said, and again, I'll repeat that from another version. It says, thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ, our Lord. It's through Jesus that we actually get into a right relationship 
with God. And as we continue to invite him in, into every single area of our life, we build our life step upon step, precept upon precept, so we can build a life of success. Because without God, our life is meaningless. It does not have a purpose. God brings purpose into our life. And so I want to encourage you today, if you've not built a relationship with Jesus, well, today is the greatest day of your life because today is your opportunity to put your faith and trust into Jesus Christ and become a true follower of who Jesus is because he will never lead you astray and he'll equip you with the direct resources that are necessary for you to live a life of success. So I want to encourage you, friends, family, that we need to put intentional disciplines into our life. We can't wait for tomorrow. We don't know what tomorrow holds. We don't know how long the situation is going to last. We can't wait till we get out into the world and out into society and out into situations and then think about putting things in our life, because by then it'll be too late. We want to set ourselves up for success now, that when tomorrow comes, we're already prepared for what tomorrow has. And so I want to encourage you one more time, be like Paul. He felt the same frustrations that you and I felt. He expresses it clearly in Romans. He wishes he could do things and he finds himself doing he can but he comes to the conclusion that his identity is found in Jesus, that it's in Jesus, it's through Jesus, that he gets the solution to his frustrations. And it's by implementing consistent disciplines into his life that brought him out of that situation. And so he encourages us with the same insight and wisdom. If we can put great disciplines into our life, we will also be like him and give God thanks and be able to share this wisdom for those around us and live a life that God has really intended us to live, a life of amazing success, a life that is bountiful, a life that is pleasing to those around us and especially pleasing to God. Now let's pray together. Heavenly Father, Lord God Almighty, Father, we thank you for Jesus, that he showed us the way, that in every circumstance, in every situation, he gives us insight, wisdom, and knowledge to equip ourselves to truly live in the way you've called us to live. I pray for everyone watching. I pray for everyone listening. I pray for all of those gathered around their, their computer screens, their televisions, or whatever it may be, their devices, that you will continue to help them lean into you a little bit more. It's our desire, it's their desire, it's our all desire together that we walk in closer relationship with you, continue to stir our hearts, continue to stir our lives, to, be, to make them lives of significance so we can truly live, to live a life of success, to please you, to please our, our loved ones, and to be fully devoted to you in every circumstance. We want to thank you for everyone watching and listening. We want to thank you for those that are part of our Transform family. We want to thank you for those that are, are reaching and connecting to us from various parts of the world. God bless them. Continue to encourage them. Continue to lead them and guide them in all things as we give you praise and thanks. 
In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hello again, and thank you so much for listening. I really hope that message has encouraged you. Would you please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast and leave us a review? This really helps others get exposed to this uplifting message. I would also love for you to share this message with a friend or someone you think would be really inspired and blessed by this. Sharing this on social media like Facebook really does help others also get this free content. I'm honored you chose to spend some of your valuable time with us. Have an amazing day.